Welcome to another inspirational message from Chowdean Community Church, Gateshead. For more information about Chowdean, visit www.chowdean.org.uk. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Chowdean. Um... Turn that off. Turn that off. Turn that off. It's not about me today. Not about me. Uh, ABC, easy as one, two, three. I, I just don't agree with that whatsoever. Now, if you know anything about me, you'll know that I'm a school teacher. Or as John Bates referred to me the other week, a schoolmaster. I am uh, going for that title at the moment. But I was on a recent course, and uh, we were looking at... Um, how to teach the English language to children. And we were looking at some of the history of it. And uh, if we just pop the next slide on, there was, um, we're looking at some of the diagraphs, and I'll not bore you with the whole um, history of it. And they were telling me that, basically, um, that, that the, the printers at the time, they were getting paid per character. So when they ever printed that character, they only got paid for the one, the one character. So they decided in themselves to actually split that and get some more money. Now, they're justified to do that by, for money, basically, and uh, which has caused massive consequences for all the children who've come after that, who are now learning magic E, split, split diagraphs, vowels, and all of this stuff. And it's just basically our English language is an absolute mess and is extremely hard to teach. It's probably easier to teach Spanish to children because of the number of sounds. We've basically got 144 sounds that can be created by 26 layers. There's your fact for today. You can write that down. And... Um, Because of what they did, our children now just uh, are struggling with the consequences of what they actually had to um, to now put up with. And that's what I want to speak to you today about justification, about being justified by God. And hopefully this morning you are justified by God. And I'll just explain what that might mean. Roll slide. And uh, justification is basically, in Christian theology, is God's act of removing the guilt and penalty of sin while at the same time declaring a sinner righteous through Christ's atoning sacrifice. Or if you're a bit thick like me, then uh, we are made right by our faith in Jesus. It's as simple as that. Because of what Jesus did, we are made righteous. We are justified by him. And it's a great thing. And if, like me, you are saved, then that's a great truth that we can hold on to today. And uh, in scriptures, in Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And in Romans 5.1-2, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Or as Joyce Mayer, or Maya, or however you want to pronounce it, said it, um, justified means that we are just as if we have never sinned in the first place. 
that's a pretty big ask, isn't it, really, to be living that life as if we've never sinned in the first place. But that's what Jesus offered us by dying on the cross for us. And that's what I want to speak to you today. Now, the, the, act, the, the, the passage that we're up to with myself is Acts 25, 1-12. And I'm just going to paraphrase this because I had to read it a few times to get the story into my own head. But picture this. We join Paul, still in prison, two years later after being arrested. Um, and we have a new ruler coming uh, down into the region where he was kept captive called Festus, or Festus however you want to pronounce that. And he was a bit of a, yes, a bit of a job's worth. He wanted to make himself known and uh, caught favor with, with Rome. But the Jewish leaders, still two years afterwards, still really wanted to uh, get Paul. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to have him down into Jerusalem so that they could conduct their own court. And uh, Paul knew this, knew what was going to happen. F- Festus, he knew this as well and was kind of stuck between um, what he wanted to do and also what the Jewish leaders, because he wanted to get on side with them. But um, Paul knew that he was called to go to Rome. He knew that he was called to go to Rome, so he appealed to go in front of Caesar. And it was better to go as a prisoner than not to go at all. So God was with him at that time. And we read in Acts 23:11 that the Lord had told Paul, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness at Rome also. It was God's purpose for him to go to Rome, so it was always going to happen. But how he was going to get there, that was the difficult thing and the interesting thing. Now, as I said, I'm already a bit of a teacher. A bit. <laughs> I turn up every day. <laughs> and um, I've had a bit of man flu this week. Oh, dear. A bit of man flu. And uh, I'm just struggling. So I thought we'd do a little bit of teachery stuff, a little bit of school stuff today. And we have something called talk partners. So if you're not sitting with somebody in twos or threes, could you just move? I know this is really awkward if you're sitting on your own, but could you get with somebody? Yeah, and then you've got somebody to talk to, because that would be great. <clears throat> and the first thing I'd like to have a quick chat about, just for 30 seconds, can you think of a good situation you've been in this year, a good situation you've been in this year, just have a chat with the person next to you, just for 30 seconds, I'll have a drink. Five, four, three, two, one. We do that at school, everybody puts their hand up as well, and they all stop talking. It never works, so I won't do it here either. Situations, uh, we're in them all the time. We are in them all the time. And the first thing I want to say to you is that we are justified by God, not by our situation. And you've probably heard in the news that Sally this week, um, the, the legend almost that, that was living, uh, Nelson Mandela, died after 95 years. And um, we had an assembly about him the other day and was listening to some of the stories about him and how he was in prison for 27 years. 27 years, that is just an unbelievable amount of time. That means that's only seven years more than my life. I know I do look that young. Thank you very much. And that's an unbelievable amount of time. And my wife Rachel and I, we were really lucky about eight years ago, wasn't it? We went off to South Africa. We had friends over there. And we went to visit Robben Island. And just as we went around for the few hours that we were there, there was such a feeling there. It was, it was hard to explain. It was, it was, it was um, sad, but there was also a feeling of, of power and of strength there as well. And we got to see Nelson Mandela's um, cell at the time. And it was tiny. It was absolutely tiny. I think this man has spent so much time in there just because of what he believed. And it got me really thinking. 
about prison. And when you uh, hear about prison and, and Jesus in the Bible, we generally hear about people who are in prison who find God at that point in their life. And then you kind of look back into the Bible and we see that so many people who were reading the Bible outside of prison were then put in prison for it. Kind of got that, that switch over and we, we hear that Joseph, Samson, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, Peter, Paul and Silas and several of the apostles were held in prison at some point during their life because of what they believed. It doesn't mean that God wasn't with them at the time. And I think what it shows to us is that following Christ is not an easy thing to do. If you think... Um, accepting Jesus is going to solve all the answers, give you all the money that you want, solve all the relationship problems. It's not going to happen. It's not an easy thing to do. And Nelson Mandela said through his many quotes through his life, there is no easy walk to freedom anywhere. And many of us will have to pass through the valley of the shadow of death again and again before we reach the mountaintop of our desires. And I don't know about your walk with Christ, but I think that sums it up completely. When we're in situations, we look at them in, in different ways, and if they're good ones, then we're all happy, and yes, oh, this is great, and then when they're not so good, then we start to really doubt ourselves. But in Romans 8:31, we read, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with them, graciously give all things to us? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? If God who justifies, it is God who justifies, who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, was also raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. Whom shall separate from, from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And in Philippians 1 to 12, 1 chapter 12, it says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, and this is obviously Paul speaking as he's uh, trapped in prison, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am here, but put here for the defense of the, the, defense of the gospel. The former preach out of selfish ambition, not sincerity, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that everywhere, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. It carries on from there to 21. and says, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And that's such a bold statement to say that. And that's such a strength in his relationship with God and in his security of where he was. He'd been in prison for two years. That's enough to knock most of us, I would imagine, I don't think I would survive carrying on still going for it strong. I suppose we don't know. So what am I really saying about this in terms of situations? God is still for us regardless of what situation we're in. It might be a great situation. Yeah, things are going great. God is in that. But it might be something that we look at and just go, I'm really not sure about this. Really not sure at all. We can feel imprisoned without actually being in prison. 
but we can still be justified by God, by what he has done. The situation might not be how we planned or what we hoped for, but even when we're in these bad situations, his purpose can still be worked for. His purpose can still be worked for. So in all situations, keep your heart on God. If we keep our heart on God, he will make our path straight. Time to talk. When was the last time you thought, ooh, that's a coincidence? Have a chat with your partner there for a second, please. I don't hear much talking. I'll let you off. Justified by God, not by coincidence. You see, coincidence, depending on when they come along, might seem great. They might seem, yeah, that's the sign I was waiting for, that's what I was hoping for. But sometimes the right coincidence doesn't seem to come at the right time, or the wrong coincidence comes at the wrong time as well. And they can mislead us into thinking that that is the right path. And if we look at um, Jonah, he's a great example of this, that um, coincidence seemed to happen for him in the right way, but it was actually, it wasn't. It was the wrong way. And uh, Jonah, he was decided, obviously, that he wasn't going to do what the Lord had asked him to do, and headed off down towards the, uh, the docks, and luckily there was a ship. Oh, what a coincidence. That's great. Here we go. And he managed to get on the ship, and they, there they go. They, f- they fed him and looked after him, and they gave him some quarters to go and sleep in, and everything was going great. But then we all know what happens after that. This mighty storm comes and eventually gets chucked overboard because of what he's doing. Now, that coincidence of the boat being there and the letting him on the boat seems to be the right thing. Oh, well, that's happening, you know. That's, let's follow this. This is what seems to be happening. But we've got to be really wary of what's actually happening in there. In Matthew 6, it says, Look at the birds. They do not plant seeds, gather a harvest, and put it in barns. Yet your Father in heaven takes care of them. Aren't you worth much more than birds? I think what that verse is saying to me at the moment is that we, um, we are worth more. And those coincidences that come along in life, they're not there to show us how much God loves us. God's already done that. Terry brought that message a few weeks ago from Excel saying God's already done his best. Jesus came. That's, that's the best he's going to do. And how amazing is that? But he's showing us that he loves us, and we don't have to worry about coincidence. Yes, some of them might be really helpful, but some of them might not actually be. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. And we need to hang on to that. That's what we need. It's such a great verse to have in our lives. And I was thinking, well, if we're justified by God and not by coincidence, then how do we look at coincidences? How do we um, deal with them when they come along? And this is what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. It's about prayer, isn't it? It's about praying about these situations that we're actually in, praying about these things that come along in our lives. Is it right? Are we praying? So in all coincidences, we've got to keep our eyes on God. And that's what Jonah hadn't done. He'd um, looked away turned his back and gone in his own path. And we can't afford to do that as we move through. Final chance to have a chat. I'll have another drink. Do you get stressed at Christmas? Do you get stressed at Christmas? 
Un de toi, regardez-moi. Merci beaucoup. Um, justified by God, not by emotions, is my next point. And um, great point there. My wife does. I'm not uh, label that <laughs> down the front row. Mention no names, Paul. Um, justified by God, not by emotions. Is anybody into where uh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here? Is anybody as trashy as we are and enjoy a bit of, of that show? There's a, few, there's a few hands, sneaky hands coming up. If you don't know what that is, a bunch of, uh, let's say we call them celebrities, are um, dropped literally into um, an Australian jungle and left there to fend for themselves and do all sorts of crazy tasks. But we've been watching this year and we said a couple of the tasks have been a bit boring, really, and they've been getting all the stars, so it hasn't been as good. But what is good is the, the time goes along. Now you get to see the emotional car crashes that are people generally left to their own devices in this very small camp. And uh, we, we watch as um, like big butch men start crying in this little wooden hut about how they're missing everybody and they can't take it anymore because it's too tough. And basically they're being fed every day, they're being watered, you know, they've got this nice sun shining on their backs. But uh, we were watching the other night and I just had to laugh because they were actually having an argument about who was cleaning out the dunny. And it was kind of, somebody had gone and done it, and it wasn't their turn to do it. But instead of saying, oh, thank you so much for cleaning the toilet, it's like, oh, you've messed up the system here. You've messed up the system. My and Jack's turn to clear it up today, you know, and you've gone and, and the people went off into the bushes and started, he's gone and cleaned out the toilet, you know. He's gone and cleaned it out, messing up the system. And one of the, uh, the men on there is, um, I can't remember his second name, but David, who is... Um, a royal clothing fashion designer, Emmanuel, David Emmanuel, there we go. And um, sort of going into the, 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 the hut to talk to the nation. So oh, everybody had their rule. He has a Welsh accent, doesn't he, as well? I tried to do a Welsh accent. Sound like Rod Gilbert. Um, <laughs> and it's just grown people who served the Queen, who've been in movies, who sang in front of thousands of people, just getting wound up about absolutely nothing and little groups of forming and, and things like that. And our emotions become so, so strong when we're in situations like that. And throughout our life, we, we can look at times when emotions have really gotten the better of us. And I think Christmas is one of those times we just... Luckily, I've never had that situation of a mass brawl on Christmas Day when everybody's, well, you cut the turkey yourself the way you want to. And it does happen, doesn't it? It really does. People get so stressed about Christmas. Just like, whoa, chill out. But I think with emotions, we can, we can turn it for ourselves, And um, we can start to use that phrase, oh, well, you know, it's the way I'm feeling and I think I better do this. And, well, well God told me to do, to do that. God told me to do this. And that's such a dangerous place to get into when we're using our emotions to, to see what God's actually telling us to do. And I think it's something as well that in, in I know in my life, if somebody's come in and said, oh, God told me to do that, I've, I've, ne I've never questioned that. I've never said, oh, well, you know, I think God's wrong. Uh, it's just you don't do it, do you? It's hard to battle against that expression when somebody comes with it. But if you look through the Bible, especially at the Christmas time, the Christmas story, the signs from God were kind of huge angels, um, uh, big flashes of light. We had with Moses burning bushes. And still the people went, 
is that you, God, really, you know? It's like, come on, come on, we're crying out for those, those, those signs of God. And these people had them, and yet they still questioned them. And with our emotions, we can really direct and put God in the back seat of our car and say, come on, God, come on, this is the way we're going. And we need to get God in the front seat of our car and driving us along. So I think with our emotions, what we need to be doing, we need to be testing them. We need to be open about them. And we need to know that there are no surprises from God. God knows what he's doing. He's the Alpha and the Omega, yesterday, today, and forever. He knows the plans that he has for us, as I've already said. And as I was thinking about this, it's about this notion of God, God told me. And I think I've had those feelings. Oh, God, you're telling me to do this. And we can just get into that. Oh, well, if God's telling me, that's okay. But as I said, we should be testing it. How can we test those emotions, those feelings, those thoughts? And it should be through the Bible, shouldn't it? It really should be through the Bible. It should fit with the Word of God. What we are seeing, what we are experiencing, what we're hoping to do should really fit in with that. And in our emotions, we need to keep the Word of God above them all. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, The Word of God is living and active. John 16, 7-15 says, The Holy Spirit of God works through the Word of God to counsel and comfort and convict. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says, Through the Scriptures we hear God teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training us in righteousness. And in Romans 12 too, The Word of God transforms us by renewing our minds so that we can think more like Him and less like the world. Instead of needing God to dictate to us what to do, we become increasingly able to discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In all of our things, whether it's situations, whether it's coincidences or whether our emotions, we should be coming back to the Bible. That's what we should be doing and finding out God will speak to us through that. And we need to be in tune with what he is saying. Not just letting our emotions take us where we want to go. And in, we live in a world that is like that. Janice spoke about it last week, about how money at this time of year, it's absolutely crazy. That's why we have Wonga and payday loan companies like that who are absolutely fleecing people. Their emotions are taking them to places that they don't need to go. So in true style, three points, done. There we go. Just want to uh, sum up if we can have the next slide. I ask you a question, don't need a verbal answer, but do you feel justified? Do you feel righteous? I think that's a tough one when we look back at Joyce May saying to be without sin, to us never have sinned before. <clears throat> but we need to understand it the way that God's looking at it, that he has given it his best, that he has justified us through his son, Jesus Christ. And God doesn't love you anymore or any less because of the situation that you're in, whether it's a good situation or a bad situation. He doesn't love you any more or less because of the coincidences that come your way or that don't come your way. And your emotions, he will not hold you against, hold them against you. With our situations, keep your heart in the situation. Coincidences, keep your eyes on the Lord. And emotions, keep the word of God, not down here, but up here above everything that we need to do. Romans 8, 28 to 30 says, 
And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be confirmed to his image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Church, this morning he's calling you, he's calling me, and he's calling the people outside. You are justified. You are justified. God has taken your sin and dealt with it. And however hard that may be to take, he has and he does love you. Got me thinking just my last point as I come to finish. <clears throat> At the beginning of the year, if you remember when we were in, um, where were we? We were in Siam. And uh, <clears throat> our banner said, Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. Now I was trying to think about this. Mission Impossible. We kind of start off already defeated, don't we? But we're not. We're starting off as already champions, as already as victors, as already as conquerors. And the Great Commission calls us and says to us that this is not so. It is not an impossible mission. Otherwise, you, we wouldn't all be sitting here this morning. To bring people to Jesus is not impossible. Nelson Mandela said, it always seems impossible until it's done. It may have taken us some time, but over the last few weeks, what have we started to do? We're starting to turn the impossible to the possible. We're reaching out. We're looking out. We're making money for people. We're putting fun days on. We're having quizzes. We're starting to look in the right direction. Nelson Mandela says also, for it to be free, uh, for to be free is not merely to cast off one, uh, one's own chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of others. We know that freedom. It's not the freedom the world has to have money and to have cars and to have things, but freedom within the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll just read that again because I think it's so powerful what he's saying. For to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains, but to live in a way that respects and enhances the freedom of of others. We are called. We are called to that great commission, aren't we? We are called to love others. And if we don't, then the message of Jesus will be lost. But we can see that it is taking shape. It is um, progressing in this church. So I'd encourage you this morning to envelop your life in prayer. God loves you, so love God. God loves others, so love others. God demands nothing of you, but he asks for everything. It's entirely up to us how we take this justification from God. And I think it's a great thing. Is anybody in agreement with that? That's why we come to church, to celebrate that, the fact that we are free by our Lord and our Savior. This is the end of this message. We hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about our church, please visit www.chowdean.org.uk and please take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes.